0: G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Show and via podcast on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast and hit subscribe. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti nti.com.au. This week, Mike asks the difficult questions about gut health with Dr. Vincent Ho, the gut doctor, following on from their brief chat a couple of weeks ago. NTI's Paul Burke shares with me some great advice about what to do if your rig breaks down. That's a little later in the show in our Ask the Expert segment. Beck talks about having a plan on the road and something to talk about, plus all the latest from our newsroom. But first, here's Mike taking it to the streets as only Mike can.
1: G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. Right? <laughs> G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of trucking classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage, our email address Big Rig Radio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com.
0: Yes, we're taking it to the streets once again, and this week Mike's jumped on the radio to find out what you guys think are the biggest issues we're facing in transport today. Here's what you had to say.
1: What's the most pressing problem in transport today?
2: Over-regulated. There be rules, regulations. You
0: can't
1: do this, you can't do
3: that. One state you can do it, one state you can't do it. There's got to be a unionised thing. Okay. to Start making all the oversize rules the same in every state.
1: Anyone else got anything different? Do they reckon there's anything more pressing than the regulations?
3: Parking
0: bays, mate. We need parking bays.
1: That's one of the things that Rod Anopy's been talking about. There needs to be a national standard. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's
0: it, mate. I mean, with should a
1: decent parking bay with some proper toilet facilities there. Probably built to a size that you can get in and out of them without running up over the gutters and that too. That'd be good.
3: Come in handy.
1: Rod was saying something like they spent a couple of million dollars on a parking bay down in Victoria and added two spaces. Uh,
3: wouldn't surprise me,
0: mate, but at least in Victoria,
1: Yeah, it is. They like to block parking bays off in New South Wales, we've noticed. I don't even want you to have them, mate. got to make the parking bays bigger too. The trucks are getting longer and they don't fit in them properly. 22 parking bays in the whole state of Queensland. That's the the problem. You broke up, mate. Someone went over the top of you. What would you say? 22 parking bays in the whole state of Queensland? You gotta wonder where some of the numbers come from sometimes. Only
0: stage the numbers out of the NA3R. Let's get some more pedal, mate. Be quicker on the dual carriageway. The roads are getting
1: better. I <laughs> don't see why we can't. Roads are straight enough. Yeah, yeah. We used to go a lot harder on a lot worse. If we were a lot of blokes out here, wouldn't be able
3: to land 110, though. Sort the men from the boy line.
1: What do we reckon about Ausroads dragging the chain on the driver licensing issue? You shouldn't be able to come here from any other country without getting a proper Australian license and driving. India, America, anywhere. Get a proper Australian license before you're allowed to drive. End of story. That's what I said before though, mate, you can't blame the bloody drivers, they're bloody hopeless, they can't go backwards, they can't bloody change gears, they can't do anything, but who's the people that give them the licence? What about them? But can't we blame them? Look at the blokes that are doing the training and the testing, you mean?
0: That's what I'm saying, it's them bastards, but they walk around with their big nose in there, thinking they're s*** Christ, have to be plenty of
1: bloody retired truckies that know a more about it than them training them bastards. On the big computer. But when you train the truck driver these days, you ain't training them to drive. They're not being trained how to load the load, where the load sits, etc., etc. And they're not being taught anything about any of the other regulations that go along with it. They're not getting any training on logbooks or anything either. Oh, uh, fellas, well, thanks for your input. Take care of yourself, keep it straight, we'll see us. Thanks for your efforts, mate. Thanks,
2: mate.
3: Hey everyone, this is Jane
4: Denham and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road.
1: Dr. Vincent Ho is a consultant gastroenterologist. That means he's a gut doctor. He works in Campbelltown in New South Wales, is where his practice is. He's also a senior lecturer at Western Sydney University. He finished medical training in 2002 and joined the Royal Australian College of Physicians in 2011. That's about all I know about you, mate. That's what your bio says. Have I missed anything out?
2: (laughs) Hi, Mike. Thank you for inviting me on your show. It's a delight to be here, and I'm really pleased to be able to speak to yourself and to your listeners. And I guess I have a few points that I'd really want to raise with your audience because I know that with professional truck drivers, Because of the lifestyle and because of the job demands, we know that you're on the road for many, many hours at a time. And one of the issues that I see a lot of with professional truck drivers is constipation. A really big problem because as you can imagine, if you're on the road a lot and you're driving, you may not have all that many opportunities to really stop and go.
1: Well, mate, you've said before, I've heard you say it a couple of times, we'll talk to our friends and our partners about the most intimate details, but no one wants to talk about the poo, mate, do they?
2: Absolutely. (laughs) You know, there's a stigma when it comes to talking about poo. As you say, you know, we talk about everything, the most intimate details with our good friends, our partners. But when it comes to discussing poos, you know, you can have couples that are married for 50 years and they won't talk to one another about poo. Like, it's amazing but yet it's something that's so universal. We should be talking about it. Well, everyone does it, so. <laughs> exactly.
1: I've got to tell you, mate, one of the most satisfying things in my life is when I can sit down and have a good bowel motion. I don't need to tell you. The consistency, the form, everything is just great, and it's a very, very satisfying thing, isn't
2: it? 100%. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it is one of the pleasures of life to actually have a good bowel motion. I mean, it really is up there, isn't it? It is.
1: So, they call you the gut doctor. You've got that webpage, gutdoctor.com, and there's a little video on there which I watched. You so kindly agreed to chat with me. I thought I'd better go and do a little bit of research. And you went on that journey of how the food is digested, tuning it and down through the esophagus, into the stomach, and through the bowel and the colon, and ultimately out the rectum there. And what happens? It's a pretty informative little short video. I was quite
2: impressed with that. Oh, thank you, Mike. Uh, certainly on Gut Doctor, we can see lots of informative articles and as you mentioned, videos that really talk about interesting processes like that. So the process of converting food into poo is actually quite a complicated process, but a really interesting one. I mean, when we eat food, we know that after a certain amount of time, it's going to come out as poo. But the process in which that happens is so interesting. There, I mean, there are so many organs at work. There are enzymes. There's lots of churning and moving around. There's processing, there's bacteria in the mix. There's a whole lot of things that's involved. But what's amazing about it is that it seems to be an almost seamless automatic process. You eat something and after a while, if you're very lucky, you will get a nice bowel motion. Sometimes though, it's not always possible to get very nice, easy bowel motions. And that's something that I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. We know that with a lot of people, it's not always the case that you get a very nice smooth bowel motion we use this particular way to describe poo and it's called the bristol stool chart mike yeah it was developed by some researchers from bristol in the united kingdom and what they did was they worked out that poo can be divided on its form into seven different levels so you've got one level where you can get poo that is really nice and easily formed if you think about it, a bit like a sausage so that's the ultimate kind of form that you'd like to have and that's usually around a three or a four, you know. Type three is like a sausage, got some cracks. And a type four is like a perfect sausage. Mm. On the other hand, at the extremes, you've got a type one, which is like really hard nuts. Yep. And type seven, watery, like entirely liquid. Yep. So we can describe who now. You can say to your friends, hey, you know, I've got a Bristol soil chart type four. Pass that out. Beautiful.
1: The type one there, which is the separate hard lumps, that's like sheep droppings, isn't it? exactly
2: right Mike. like sheep droppings or nuts mm. often can be really hard to pass as well mm. so that's a type one for you
1: normal for sheep not for humans
2: that's it <laughs>
1: and number seven is completely the other end where there's no solid pieces at all so that's normal for
2: seagulls i think isn't it yeah it is actually mm. but not for humans so we know with humans not type one or type seven you want to be in the middle
1: that's right number four
2: Mm. Ideally number four. Number three is not bad either. So, but yeah, if you can go for a number four, like a sausage, smooth and soft, that's perfect.
1: So the question that I've really got for you now, Vincent, then is how do we shoot for number four? Yeah. Well, that's a really good one.
2: I've got to say though, so talk before about professional truck drivers and basically the fact that they can be really prone to constipation. It's something that happens a lot because often it's behavioral. You know, you don't have an opportunity to basically have a stop and go. So, Often it's behavioral, but what we know, though, is that there are a few things that you can do to actually get good regular bowel motions. And one of them is making sure that you're adequately hydrated. You know, you don't want to end up dehydrated because if you're dehydrated, you're going to get hard stools and you might head towards sort of number one on the Bristol stool scale.
4: Hmm.
2: But definitely plenty of fluids. Make sure you're hydrated. Also fiber like this is one of the things I really love talking about because we know that for men you should be having at least 30 grams of fiber a day and for women at least 25 grams of fiber a day and we're talking about adults here yeah. you should be having that much but what people don't often realize is that that's actually a lot of fiber like it's a lot of fiber and I'll give you some examples of fiber that's contained in different foods because you'll be quite surprised at just how much fiber is contained in different foods. We know, for example, that a very common supplement that people have for fiber is called Metamucil. Yep. Very, very common. It's got basically psyllium husk in there. And so we know that it contains fiber and people will often say to me, yeah, you know what? I've actually got a good tablespoon of Metamucil or psyllium husk a day. Well, I'll point out to them, you know how much fiber is in that tablespoon? grams. Wow. 2.2. Now, for an adult man, you need 30 grams. And they'll say to me, you know what? I get some of my fiber in bread. And I'll say to you, well, one slice of whole grain bread, do you know how much fiber's in there? 2.4 grams. Wow. So, you know, you can imagine. You're going to have to eat a lot of bread to reach your 30 grams.
1: You are. So how do we get to 30 grams, Vincent?
2: Well, that's a great one. Yeah. So if we look at the different foods that contain fiber in it, we know that different foods, for example, pasta, will often contain a good amount of fiber. So wholemeal pasta in particular, a cup of it, has about 7.9 grams. Okay. But what I mean by that is that if you had four cups of wholemeal pasta, you'd basically reach your requirements. Right. You could have a medium corn cob and that will contain almost six grams, so 5.9 grams of fiber in it. Right. If you were to have brown rice though, and people will often say to me, yep, I have plenty of rice. Well, I'll say... One cup of brown rice will contain only 2.7 grams of fiber. So rice is good, but you're going to have to eat a lot of it to reach your 30 grams. You know, if you think about it, you're going to have to consume 11 cups of brown rice to get to your 30 grams a day.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I honestly didn't know that it was like that. And I mean, I could just hear
2: the nutritionist saying, oh, look at all those carbs. <laughs> But you don't have to get it all in carbs because you can get it through other things too. For example, I mentioned before about corn. You know, kidney beans are good. So if you had kidney beans, 100 grams of that, you'll get about six and a half grams of fiber. But if you eat a carrot, particularly with the skin on it, a cup of that will actually get you a good amount of fiber. That's almost seven grams, basically 6.9 grams of fiber. So there are a few different things you can have, vegetables and fruits that can get you there. But certainly carbs are a good source. And I mentioned before about pasta, quite a lot of fibers in wholemeal pasta.
1: Mm.
2: One thing that I certainly recommend is make sure that you have your adequate daily intake of fiber in addition to fluids that I've recommended before.
1: Yeah, so plenty of fiber, plenty of fluids, and we're shooting for number four. That's it though. And the other
2: thing I've got to mention too as well, physical activity. We know physical activity is also quite important in stimulating your bowel activity. And that's really important. If you're driving at long distances, you may not be that physically active. So if you can get a chance to have a bit of a break, a rest stop, you know, it's good to stretch yourself out, but maybe go for a little jog around, making sure that you're getting stimulated as far as physical activity is concerned, because that's often very helpful
1: for a walk around the truck when you check the tires, but do it two or three times.
2: That's it. So Vincent, there are a
1: lot of these new diet fads that are on the go at the moment. I know this is a question at short notice and without reference, but we're talking about the keto diets, for example. We're talking about things you see advertised, protein shakes and protein diets. What have you got to say about things like that?
2: Yeah. So let's talk about the keto diet. That's basically what we call a ketogenic diet. It's a very high fat, very low carb kind of diet. In many ways, it's very similar to the Atkins diet, which has been around for a little while. The idea behind the keto diet, it's like, well, you replace your carbohydrates and you're replacing it essentially with a lot of fat. So that reduction in carbs puts your body into a state called ketosis. And so, when that happens, basically, your body can actually be quite efficient at burning fat for energy. So, certainly, there can be some benefits in having that because it's been shown that ketogenic diets can be helpful in reducing like blood sugar and insulin levels. So, there can be benefits uh, in terms of that. However, what is important is that, along with all restrictive diets, because, you know, with keto diets, it is restrictive, the challenge with that is that don't get balanced diet that you should be getting so when you speak to any dietitians they'll say yeah you know there are some benefits in terms of what it can do but obviously the downside is that you're restricting your intake of other important food groups it's going to have foods that are really high in saturated fats so that's a danger because if you get a lot of high saturated fats then that potentially can lead to an increase in certain types of cholesterol which can be linked to heart disease so that can be an issue but One of the things that I find among all these diets is that you don't want to be restrictive. You want to make sure that you have a good balanced diet. And what I mean by that is that you should be having a diet that actually has all the important food groups. So you want to make sure that in addition to having carbohydrates, of course, you're going to have protein sources, you're going to have dairy products, fruit and vegetables, and you get some sugars as well. So Those major five food groups that I've talked about before, really important to get hold of. And when you talk to dieticians, they'll just say, from a very practical standpoint, five groups to remember, fruit, grains, lean, meat, poultry, other sources of protein, dairy products, as I mentioned before, and vegetables and legumes.
1: And restrict the other food groups like KFC, McDonald's and...
2: Always a good idea to restrict that if you can. (laughs) You know, and and the cut down on excess sugar as well. So that's important.
0: We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page.
1: What you're saying though, Vincent, is that a balanced diet is far more important than these things like keto and protein shakes. They're great in the short term, but you really shouldn't be living on them,
2: should you? 100%, Mike. That's exactly right. In the longer term, you want to make sure that you have a balanced diet. So as I mentioned before, a variety of foods from each of those five food groups that I've mentioned, because having that healthy diversity is a very good thing. And Mike, it's also good for your gut bacteria too. We know that if you've got a diverse diet, it also means that you tend to get a diverse set of microbes in your gut. And we know that diverse microbes in your gut is a very good thing because it's good for your gut health, but good for your overall health as well.
1: That leads me on to the next question, Vincent. I was going to ask you about those little probiotic drinks you see. What are your thoughts on those? Well, my general
2: recommendation when it comes to probiotics, and by the way, I've got to define what they are probiotics are essentially live bacteria um, for the most part. But Sometimes you can get other microbes like yeasts. but for the most part, they're live bacteria that when you give it to somebody in an adequate amount, it actually gives a health benefit. So there are a lot of these probiotics going around, but what I can say is that if you're a, a healthy individual with no real issues, no symptoms, you don't need a probiotic. You don't need it. But we know that from the data that it's not required However, if you've got a health condition, uh, specifically one that it's been shown that probiotics are helpful for, then that's when it can be really helpful to have a probiotic. A good example of that is when someone, for example, can get diarrhea from, say, an infectious gastro bug. Hmm. We know that when you get a probiotic, it actually helps to reduce the duration of symptoms, so like your diarrhea. So it can be quite helpful in in that sense. Hmm. Probiotics can be useful for a number of other conditions as well. For example, Mike, if you were to give a probiotic to a pregnant lady in the last five weeks of her pregnancy, that has been shown to reduce the risk of allergy in the infant, particularly if the infant's going to be at high risk of getting allergies. So there's a benefit there. Yeah, wow. Yeah. There's so much to learn about
1: and so much that's unknown. And I know that you spend your whole career looking at these sort of things. I note that you've written a lot. I think thirty-eight or thirty-nine articles on all sorts of things, and people have viewed them more than five million times. That's a lot, mate. Your social media viral, mate.
2: (laughs) Well, Mike, look, I've got to say, and for your listeners out there, if they can check out Gut Doctor, it's a good source of information because, as you say, there's about thirty-nine articles on there, Hmm. covers a whole range of topics from what's containing your poo. Yep, they'll find that really interesting. How does food turn into poo? They can learn about even now with the whole coronavirus and how that affects the gut. So there's so many interesting topics that they can learn about by going onto that website. And we've also got some social media as well, as you mentioned, things like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and that may be a good way for some of your listeners to find out some information because when we send out some info via social media, often it's in like bite-sized form so they can quickly just process it all. There'll be some key messages that we put in there. It doesn't take very long to read.
1: Uh, it's all very, very good. Now, one question that I was asked to ask you when someone found out I was talking to you, irritable bowel syndrome. Now, it's a common issue. A lot of us get a little bit of it from time to time. So
2: what is it and what's the best way to deal with it? Yeah, irritable bowel syndrome or IBS for short is a very common condition. And it's thought that in Australia, about one in six people are diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. So it's really very common. IBS is a condition where someone will have had lots of investigations looking for other gut conditions, and they've not found anything concerning. That's something I will say about IBS. You can have all these investigations. You can have cameras looking inside, and you haven't found anything concerning that accounts for why they've got symptoms. And IBS, you can get lots of symptoms. One of the most common symptoms is bloating. We see a lot of that going on. But you can also get constipation related to IBS. You can get diarrhea related to IBS. What's thought to cause it is the increased sensitivity in a lot of people with IBS. So there's an increased sensitivity in their guts to different stimuli. It could be foods, for example, they eat, it could be stress. So when you get something like that, some sort of stimulus, stress, certain types of foods, can generate symptoms. And so one of the best ways to treat IBS is to try to avoid some of those trigger factors. It might mean that, you know, you reduce your stress levels, focus on meditation or yoga it may mean that you avoid certain types of food. In fact, there's some good research that's come out of a big group in Melbourne that's found a particular type of food and it's called FODMAPs. Hmm. That's the abbreviation for it. They are linked to IBS symptoms. And so by avoiding FODMAPs or going to a low FODMAPs diet, it's actually very helpful in improving IBS symptoms.
1: Well, that's all great information, Vincent. Thanks very much for that. We're running short on time, so I just want to wrap things up. I've got one more question for you, which is another question that I was asked to ask you. Things like Saxenda appetite suppressant drugs that are taking hold at the moment. What are your thoughts in your specialty on those? Yeah,
2: is actually quite an interesting drug because what it does, it's an injectable drug that actually is used to help reduce weight And the way it does that is it actually induces a delay in your stomach emptying foods. What that means is that your stomach fills up with food more easily and you get a sense of becoming full quite quickly. So that's the way that Saxenda works. Actually quite a good medication in some ways, but certainly as with all the other medications that's been used to treat obesity. It should be coupled with increased physical activity and also diet changes. So those medications are good, but by themselves, we know that they're not effective in isolation. So you've got to couple with good physical activity and also making dietary changes. Because let's say you've got one of these drugs that you're using to try to lose weight, but if you're still getting the same amount of calories in, then it's not going to really help in losing weight. And we know that if you have more calories out through exercise, of course, that's going to help. So I still recommend exercise and diet changes with all of these medications.
1: And Vincent, things like gastric sleeves and all those other sorts of bariatric interventions, clearly with your interest in the intestinal tract, you've probably got an opinion on all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, well, we know that a gastric sleeve surgery can be very effective for weight loss and in fact it's probably the most common weight loss operation in the world. It does lead to quite rapid and quite significant weight loss and it does that through its changes on some gut hormones so it's able to do that through modification of gut hormones and obviously It means that when you remove a good chunk of the stomach, then of course that means that that's going to restrict the amount of food or your intake in. So it's a very good operation. But I will say that, as with all surgeries, there are going to be risks. Hmm. It should always be coupled with some kind of plan to obviously change your diet and exercise. And what we've often found is that you can have successful surgery, and then years down the track, you can get all that weight piling back up again because. When it comes to gastric sleeve surgery, yeah, it might be really good at reducing your your intake, particularly solids. But if you drink, for example, liquids that are full of calories, Mm. then guess what? You know, your weight's just going to pile back on again.
1: It's painfully obvious, I think, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And the other thing that I haven't
1: mentioned is you've got a new book out about the healthy baby gut guide.
2: Yeah. So for anybody that's a new parent out there, or who has a particular interest in the healthy gut of babies or young children. And if they've got an interest in preventing allergies, because we know that gut health is linked now to allergy development, then yeah, they can check out the book, The Healthy Baby Gut Guide. It's found in all bookstores. You can get that online too. I'd encourage the listeners to have a
1: look at your work at thegutdoctor.com. Your practice is in Campbelltown in New South Wales. People need a referral to come and see you from their GP, don't they?
2: They do. And so I'm happy to see people. But as you pointed out before, a really good first port of call would be to check out all the information on gutdoctor.com, so spelled G-U-T-D-R.com. Vincent, thanks very much for joining me on the road. It's an absolute pleasure, I can thank you very much for inviting me on your show.
0: Hey, everybody. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast from the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you.
1: Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, Please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you.
0: When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com It's time for Ask the Expert, proudly brought to you by NTI. This week we're chatting with Paul Burke from NTI about the importance of knowing what to do and how to do it if your truck breaks down. Good morning Paul and thanks for joining us on the road.
4: Oh g'day Andy, thanks for having me here.
0: Absolute pleasure. Now Paul, first up I'll confess to being a supercar's tragic, as a lot of people are, and I love the truck assist sponsorship wrap on Lear Holdsworth's Mustang this year, so... Essentially, what is Truck Assist? How does it work?
4: Truck Assist is a business unit of NTI, who are Australia's biggest specialist insurer. Mm-hmm. And Truck Assist is Australia's leading provider of specialist breakdown assistance for trucks. Our roadside assistance programs are designed specifically for heavy commercial vehicles, so trucks and buses and equipment to cover the whole country. We run assistance programs for many of the truck manufacturers. In fact, about 50% of all new trucks sold in Australia each year are supported by one of our programs. Really? But I guess just as importantly, we have a roadside assistance offering that any truck owner can buy for their trucks and receive the same sort of roadside assistance cover that these new trucks enjoy. Mm. So I'd encourage anybody who's interested to visit our website at truckassist.com.au to have a look and get an understanding of the cover available for sure.
0: Well, we are all familiar with roadside support for car drivers with NRMA, RACQ, all that. But I guess there are times that truckies need a breakdown service too.
4: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it comes down to peace of mind for owners and drivers. If there is an unfortunate event of a breakdown, that they have someone to call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm. There's nothing worse than breaking down on the side of the road and not knowing who to call and what to do. So... With Truck Assist, it's a simple matter of calling the 1-800 number and leaving it up to us to coordinate service providers to attend the roadside or organise tow trucks to get you out of trouble. Our service offers a sort of a tangible benefit to drivers also where we bear some of the call-out costs up to the dollar limit of each of the programs.
0: Okay. With Truck Assist, what types of breakdowns do you see?
4: Well, that's (laughs) that's a long list.
0: I'm sure it is.
4: I guess over time we've seen most things, but... We see simple things like jump starts, you know, battery issues, and then you start to get more complicated things like engine fault lights and mechanical failures. But then you also have the flat tyres and just general electrical faults. Mm. Any fault that brings a vehicle to a stop at the roadside, we've seen them all, I guess. And most locations around the country, also some really quite remote locations, and we've always managed to assist in some way.
0: Right. So you're there when a truckie's luck runs out. Yeah,
4: absolutely.
0: Yeah. Paul, can you give us some tips of the things that truckies need to be aware of to stay safe when they're broken down on the side of a busy road or a highway?
4: Oh, yeah. Well, look, everyone's safety is paramount. Where possible, I guess, we always encourage the drivers to pull over on the shoulder of the road to avoid becoming a hazard themselves. Mm. As far to the left as possible, away from the traffic lane. This allows the driver to get out of the vehicle safely as well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, activating the hazard lights if possible, depending on the traffic, it may be necessary to exit the vehicle and the passenger side of the vehicle to avoid the traffic. Mm. Also putting on high visibility work gear or a safety vest, that's also important to make themselves visible to everybody around. Sure.
0: Well, that's obviously good advice in looking after themselves, but in the unfortunate event of a breakdown, how can truckies manage other road users in the interests of keeping everybody safe?
4: That's really important around other road users and get the warning out to those people as much as possible and as early as possible. There's a potential hazard. So putting on hazard lights, obviously, is the first thing in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be corners or bends in the road that obscure the truck. So placing in safety triangles out to the rear of the in front of the vehicle and also at the side of the vehicle is the required distance. That's fairly important when it comes to alerting other road users. I guess from that perspective, the rule of thumb there is to place the triangles twice the posted speed limit of the vehicle in front and rear, twice the distance, I guess, in metres. Right. Yeah, I guess that is one of the key areas where the drivers need to be aware and have those things out for the other road users.
0: Yeah, as much warning as you can give them as to what's coming up is important.
4: Absolutely, yeah. As I said before, if they're on a blind corner and that sort of thing, it's very important that the driver looks after his own safety, but they need to be aware of everybody else and get that warning out there as early as possible.
0: Sure. Paul, there may be some service suppliers listening in to this podcast. If they were interested in becoming a part of the NTI network, how would they go about it?
4: We have a large network of service providers that assist us in providing roadside assistance, but we're always interested in expanding that and to help provide better service and coverage. Yeah. I guess if a business is interested in becoming a truck assist service provider, they can contact us via the website or via our Facebook page.
0: Okay. So once again, if a truck is broken down, how does it go about contacting you for roadside service?
4: Simple 1-800 number, which is 1-800-827-747.
0: Brilliant. Folks, our guest today has been Paul Burke, Business Relationships Manager with NTI. Paul, thank you for making the time to join us on the road today.
1: Oh, thanks for talking to me, Andy.
0: Cheers. Cheers.
2: G'day, I'm Darren. I'm listening to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow.
0: On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Morning, Mike. Morning Andy, how are you mate? Good, thank you. Mate, I was just thinking the Irish have a blessing that states may the road rise up to meet you. As a motorcyclist, the concept of the road rising up to meet me quite frankly puts the fear of God <laughs> into me. Has the road risen up to meet you this week, Mike?
1: Oh mate, the road rises up all over the place, I tell you. <laughs> it goes on and on mate, I've been hooking southbound through the cutter. Oh good man. I have. I'll tell you what mate. Well it happens, you know. It does. <laughs> Let's go, mate. Let's talk about the news. Let's talk about the news.
0: Meanwhile, back at the news, from next Monday, we're going to experience some delays along the Pacific Highway on the coast around Port Macquarie when work will start installing rumble strips and wire rope safety barriers.
1: Cheese cutters. Aren't
0: they fun? Not for motorcyclists, they're not. No, they're not, are they? No.
1: See, I'm not a big fan either. They like to mount them too close to the sides of the road for me. Don't give you room to get off. But that's another issue. Yes, between Bago and Port Macquarie, I hope I've said that right. Bago, I don't want to offend anyone up there, the great people of Bago. Over the next six months, they're going to be installing these safety features on the road. It's going to cost about 3.3 million. Wow, it's a, a lot of money to spend on it, and it's all part of the 2.3 billion dollar infrastructure package that was announced earlier on. Truckies should plan their trip, and they should allow extra time to follow the directions of all the signs, including the reduced speed limits, because in New South Wales,
0: they do enforce the speed limits in the roadworks areas, mate. Mm, they sure do. I love those rumble strips. I reckon they're designed for actually annoying your kids when they're in the car with you. <laughs> Dad, stop it! <laughs> That's right. Anyway, That's mate, right. a little earlier and now taking it to the streets segment, some of the guys brought up concerns about the need for more rest areas. Apparently, there's a new one set to be constructed in the Queensland outback town of Richmond.
1: That's right. Richmond Council and the federal government have decided to commit $139,000 to a parking area opposite the roadhouse there.
0: Fantastic.
1: And yeah, Mr. Buckholz has sort of been up there and had a bit of a look around, a bit of a chat with the mayor of Richmond. And they understand that the truckies need to be alert. We need them healthy, need to be able to get a feed, they need to have a rest. So they're designing this parking area to accommodate triple road trains. So it's going to be a pretty big thing and obviously the facilities and everything will be available at service station over the road. So it's a bit of a win for the guys up there. Yeah,
0: I'll say. Mm. Mm. And Mike, news through that Scania has pulled out of the 2021 Brisbane Truck Show. That's the second one now, isn't it?
1: It is the second one, following on from Volvo. Now, yeah. Volvo blamed the uncertainty around the pandemic. Scania is saying that it's simply because the event doesn't match up with other exciting activities they have planned for the Australian market later in the year. Okay. You know. Look, you know, I love Scania, but and I'm not going to say I call bullshit, but it just seems to be an incredible coincidence. So that's two big names out of the truck show now. Todd Hacking, who's the HVIA chief executive, the people that are responsible for the truck show say, listen, they miss every exhibitor that decides not to come. Yeah. And cannot be a part of the 2021 Brisbane truck show, but industry is going to come together regardless. And we're going to be ready to ensure that everyone has a great show. So, you know, I admire Mr. Hacking's positivity, but to lose another major manufacturer in the heavy vehicle space has got to be a blow to the event.
0: Absolutely. Particularly, it's the biggest one in the country too, isn't it, the Brisbane?
1: It is. It Mm. is. It's the one that everyone wants to be at. And unfortunately, it just doesn't seem as though people are as committed to it this year as they have been in the past. Sad to hear. It's sad, yeah.
0: Mm. And lastly, Mike, a big one here, so we might need to spend a little bit of time on this. The NHVR has issued a prohibition notice to a Melbourne-based transport company following investigations into fatigue management and other safety issues.
1: They have. oz wide transport solutions have been grounded by the NHVR. Now, this is not something that happens all that often, but when it does happen, it makes news. Oswide are under this prohibition notice due to safety and management issues, I believe. Had a bit of a conversation with a couple of the drivers that work for the company. And I'll tell you what, some of them aren't very complimentary about the way things are done there. Mm. The thing with this is it's just the current iteration of a problem that's been happening in long-distance road transport in Australia for many years. Mm. We've seen companies like this come and go, and it always seems to me that it's for similar reasons. Now, I'm happy to be corrected if I'm wrong but Oswide are a symptom of an ongoing problem. I'm going to be writing about that in an upcoming issue of Big Rigs in a lot more detail, so stand by for that. Mm. The issue is that we have these guys who aren't freight forwarders, they're simply carriers. So what they do is they carry for the majors, and Oswide have been putting on drivers with not a lot of experience. Now, you can't blame the drivers for this. They're just like anybody else. They want to put a feed on the table, send the kids to school, pay their bills and all the rest of it. Mm. It seems to me that there's a lot, a lot of questions to be answered here. The NHBR want to get to the bottom of it. And as I've said so many times before, it's all about the motivation. The motivation for the NHBR is to show the public that they're taking responsibility and making people do it safely. And that is a good thing. It is. Read the article when it comes out in big rigs and by all means, go and have a look at these ones that are there now.
0: Fair call. All right, mate, a bit pushed for time, so we better tidy it up there. But may the road keep <laughs> rising up to meet you. <laughs> and uh, don't forget to put band-aids on the grazers when it does. Talk to you soon.
1: <laughs> Thanks, mate. Keep it safe. Bye bye.
0: For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au.
1: Pickles here. I listen to on the road on the Australian Big Rig Road Show.
3: Hey guys, it's Beck, and today I'm going to have a chat with you about having a plan on the road. After any accident or incident, the very first thing to do is ensure everyone's safety. Before an accident or incident though, the best thing to do is have a think about the variety of potential emergency situations you may face on the road and plan what your responses will be. It's too late to start thinking about what to do when it's gone sideways and the pressure is on. Not all emergencies on the road involve an accident. You may have time to respond to what's happening and take action to reduce the problem and the risk. You may just as easily be in a situation where your choices are very limited. Much better to have a plan that's been thought through calmly. Just grab the list and follow the instructions. Clearly the responses required for all the potential emergencies you may face could fill a good size volume and just add to the stress. Drivers operating in the dangerous goods space always have a procedure guide in the driver's door pocket. This is the style of document all drivers should aim to have in their hand when they need it. If this happens, do that. Simple. One of the first things you'll want to do is get help. There are a couple of apps to consider having on your phone that are extremely useful. The first is the Emergency Plus app. This app tells you where you are and helps direct emergency services straight to you. It has contact details for state emergency services and police in each state. The next app is the St. John Ambulance First Aid app. Open the app and you discover a list of problems. Match the problem with what you see in front of you, click and follow the instructions. Next is an ICE list. For those who aren't too familiar, ICE is in case of emergency. This comes into play if you're injured or unable to answer questions and it's as unique as you are. Things to consider having on this list would include contact details for your next of kin and another person that knows you just as well. But remember, it's a good idea to let that person know that they're there. Also good to have a brief medical history and doctor's contact details. A good place to keep this list would be in your logbook cover and another somewhere else in your cab, possibly even your wallet. Probably the most likely incident to be involved in on the road is a motor vehicle accident of some kind. If you're involved in an accident, you must stop immediately and assist anyone else involved if you're able to. If anyone is injured, dial triple O immediately and follow the operator's instructions. Do what you can to make the scene safe without exposing yourself or others to further risk. Switch off the ignitions of vehicles to reduce the risk of fire, switch on hazard warning lights and pop out some warning triangles. If any vehicle has dangerous goods or if any vehicle involved is LPG fueled, call triple O immediately. Dangerous goods vehicles have visible diamond shaped tags and placards on them. These provide information for emergency services about how to deal with the load in the event of a spill or fire etc. Once again, do what you can to reduce risk but don't expose yourself or others to danger doing so. Get in a position upwind from any spill, avoid any fumes or spilled product. Dangerous goods vehicles will have a procedure guide and information in the emergency pocket attached to the driver's door. The police will attend and investigate accidents when a person is killed or injured, there is damage to property or animals, a person fails to stop or exchange information, or a driver is believed to be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. If police don't attend, you must report the accident as soon as possible. If any vehicle needs to be towed away, there is damage to property or injured animals, or you're unable to provide particulars to the owner. It's best to do this within 24 hours unless in exceptional circumstances. You must provide police with details of an accident, vehicles involved, your name, address, and if known, information about any witnesses or drivers of other vehicles involved. You must also present your driver's license to police on request. Regardless of damage, if asked, you must provide the owner or driver of any other vehicle involved in an accident with your name, address, license and insurance details, vehicle registration number and, if you are not the owner, the name and address of the vehicle owner. There are a number of pre-existing emergency procedures out there in the public domain. There's no point reinventing the wheel. Have a search on the internet. It's amazing what you can find. Search AS1678.0.0.001. That's a great place to start. It's the Australian Standard Emergency Procedure Guide for Vehicle Fires. That's a double-sided sheet. Print it out, slip it into a plastic cover or laminate it and slide it into your driver's door pocket. If you've had a look around and can't find something that considers your particular need, then make your own. Every plan or procedure needs to consider seven steps really. 1. Identification of the hazard and risk assessment. 2. Resources that may be needed to be called in or immediately available. 3. Communication systems, telephone contacts, and dedicated radio channels, etc. 4. Who is responsible for enacting the plan? 5. Action required to deal with the hazard? 6. Communication with emergency services and interested others? And 7. Debriefing and review. There are many consultants who are well qualified to help with the development of procedures. The EPA and government departments have information at their disposal and are generally very happy to assist as well. And finally, save this phone number in your phone. 1-800-684-669 Grab your phone and do it right now. 1-800-684-669 That's the NTI Accident Assist number. It's available 24-7. They can direct emergency services to you and help you out on the road.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. And a shout out to all the wonderful friends, sponsors and guests of On The Road. On behalf of Mike, Beck and myself, a big thank you to NTI, the Big Rig Radio Roadshow, Seeing Machines, Pearl Craft, Tone's Trucking Stories, Kermi and Yogi. It's your valuable support that's helped to make On the Road Australia's number one trucking podcast. For more On the Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode on the road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.